0: This is In Focus from Control Risks, the global specialist risk consultancy. Each episode of In Focus brings you in depth analysis and perspective from a different corner of our global network of experts.
1: Welcome to this latest edition of the Asia Podcast Series. Today I'm speaking with John Bray, a leading expert for. the last 30 years on the subject of business governance and human rights. John works in our Asia practice and today's topic is Myanmar. John recently published an op-ed piece on the subject of business continuing to operate in the country post the military coup of February and what that means in the local context. So John, Welcome, and thank you for joining us to talk about Myanmar today and the impacts of business on the situation and the businesses can affect the human rights situation or not in the country as it struggles through this difficult situation that they've been in since the coup in February. So both you and I are old enough to remember that clash song, I'll date myself, should I stay or should I go? And I thought that was a great way to start off this conversation. And I'll turn it over to you now, because I think that's the first basic question that, that people have been asking themselves about operating in Myanmar.
0: So should you stay or should you go, that has to be a, a decision that individual companies make in the light of their own circumstances. That includes the commercial possibilities. It includes the sectors, who they are. It includes the various pressures they're under. But what I really want to say is that whether you stay or whether you go, you need to think about the wider impacts of your decision. You need to think about the impact on your employees and their livelihoods. You need to think about the impact on the wider business and social system. And what I mean by that is that if you're a reasonably sized business, you will have suppliers, you will have customers, you will have people in your network, they will be affected if you do go. So the minima I want to say is that staying should be an option that even now, even in these really difficult circumstances, you should consider. It's not an easy option, but it should be on the table.
1: Right. And I think that's a good point, that it it is an option. What have we seen? Broad brush. Have we seen kind of a stampede of people for the exits? Or have we seen, obviously, some companies have left, but has it been kind of drawdowns, uh, reducing activity, reducing personnel? Broadly speaking, what have we seen? Because you're one of our leading uh, Myanmar experts.
0: So maybe surprisingly in the first few months after the coup on the 1st of February, not exactly a stampede of outright withdrawals, but definitely a scaling down. We have seen some companies who have definitely said that they wouldn't do business anymore with certain business partners because the partners are too closely linked to the military regime. So that has been one clear trend, but it has been more a scaling down and I guess it's partly waiting to see. And I have to say that the recent news from a commercial as well as a political point of view hasn't been good. We've had COVID in addition to the ongoing political crisis. Many companies that we know of are hanging on, but definitely leaving also is on the table.
1: So I guess one of the interesting things about Myanmar is this is not the first go round with something like this. It's probably one of the few countries in the world. Maybe it was experienced in recent memory, you know, a number of political upheavals. So this is not the first time that I suspect that a lot of companies have encountered this challenge with Myanmar. What are the international groups, the NGOs, the UN, local civil society groups or national groups? What are they saying about, you know, what businesses should do now in Myanmar as a result of the coup in February versus perhaps what they said, you know, pre 2010 2011 when the when the military regime from those days put in place a kind of a path to greater democracy
0: in the early 2000s even in the 1990s the general civil society view, especially the international view, was to boycott Burma and Myanmar entirely. We saw campaigns in the US and in Europe against, uh, for example, Pepsi-Cola, Coca-Cola, against companies who were not especially linked to the military regime, but just because they were in Burma, they faced boycott campaigns. We also faced a general view for something approaching comprehensive sanctions. They weren't Completely comprehensive, but it was very much in that direction. This time around, it's been more nuanced. And there I should emphasize that there was something of a run-up to the latest events. Already in the last two years, there has been a tighter move towards tighter due diligence, especially due diligence on links with military entities, That was in light of a UN report in response to the Rohingya crisis. So since the coup, both on the government side, the emphasis has been on targeted sanctions and on the civil society also, it was saying companies with direct links to the military regime or to military companies, those kinds of activities are not acceptable, but they so study groups had been saying that other kinds of activities are actually quite positive because they bring livelihoods. I, I particularly remember in the early stages of the coup, the Burma campaign UK was saying, we are not going to campaign against withdrawal of trade privileges, which benefit government workers. In fact, we would argue strongly against that. Recently, there has been in some quarters, I emphasise the sum, there has been a bit of a hardening and I'm thinking particularly of an international trade union group called industrial or global union. In the light of recommendations from their Myanmar based colleagues, they were calling for quote unquote, comprehensive economic sanctions. The human rights groups, I'm thinking particularly of ethical trade initiative. I'm thinking of an Institute for human rights and business, which has a Myanmar-based affiliate, the Myanmar Centre for Responsible Business. What they are saying is, whether you stay or go, think very carefully. They're not giving a definitive recommendation, get out at all costs. But they are saying, think about your impacts, think about who you're doing business with, um, think about what happens if you if you do leave. I should say it's a, quite a contested issue. What we've seen for years is that companies operating in Myanmar, they're under a tighter level of international scrutiny. That is even more the case now. But to repeat the basic point, there is a case, there is a human rights case for staying, provided, provided you look carefully at what you're doing and who you are doing with, it with.
1: Right so that brings us to the tricky topic of kind of in this situation what does good governance look like and as one of our colleagues has said you know compliance is what you must do by law or regulation governance is what you should do and the trick with that is what you should do varies from it's highly subjective so it varies from individual to in, individual and jurisdiction to jurisdiction so I guess in this situation, then the, the question becomes: If you've chosen to stay, how do you stay responsibly, sustainably? And I think you in your op-ed, recent op-ed, quoted the use the phrase "smart survival." So maybe you could just expand on that a little bit for us. What does what is smart survival, and what does good governance look like in a situation like this? And maybe maybe some examples of what we've seen some of our clients or others do.
0: Okay, so I, I'm, first of all, you you use the word subjective. I don't want to say completely subjective. We do have. Principles which are accepted international principles. I'm thinking particularly of the UN guiding principles on on business and human rights. Now, just recently, reached their tenth anniversary. They are not prescriptive in the sense that they give a blueprint for what every company in every sector should do, but they do give practical guidelines. A lot of which are to do with impacts. They're to do with extent to which your business is linked to particular impacts having said that it doesn't avoid the need for tough decisions and then coming on to the governance aspect a first thing to remember is that everybody who's worked for you is going to be under acute strain so you need to be supporting them Illustrative comment Um, in the early days of the coup i was asking in fact a former colleague what was going on in in their operation. Um, The answer was actually not very much because people couldn't concentrate. They were in any way working from home because of COVID. That actually linked to the second point from that particular experience. They were liaising closely with each other, providing that kind of mutual support. So that's one thing. But then the phrase smart survival, it was meant to invoke the ingenuity that you need to survive in these kinds of situations. I'm also emphasising survival. A key point of the argument is that business must avoid negative contributions. It can make positive contributions. We hope that it will, mainly through its core business, but possibly also through other things like COVID relief. But business can't make any of these contributions if it doesn't actually survive. And so then what do you need to do survive? Well, here i conscious that I'm treading on dangerous ground, sensitive ground. But taxes has come up as an issue that companies have to deal with. Many opposition people are saying that companies should not pay taxes to an illegitimate regime. That's what I'm saying here. I'm saying that businesses often have to take a tough call. In the piece that I wrote, which you referred to, I myself was taking a somewhat tough call. And I'm saying that if it is a matter of survival, businesses may have no option but to pay taxes. To put that in perspective, this is not an issue which is unique to Myanmar. It has come up before in um, apartheid South Africa, for example. In those circumstances... It has been accepted that companies could pay taxes. So I'm arguing that in the interest of survival, companies may have no no practical choice. Beyond that, again other kinds of tough decisions. So we have also heard, statistically we've heard uh, from World Bank reports of companies scaling down operations, but then when it comes down to the individual company, how do you scale down operations? So we've heard of companies who have negotiated reduced hours and therefore also reduced pay in order to survive at all, in order to keep the operation going. That has been a difficult consultative process, but it has been accepted by the workforce, by the management as a condition for survival.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's a very difficult situation, as everyone knows. What do you, as one of our leading experts on Myanmar, I mean, what do you see in terms of development for the for the future
0: so i have to say that the immediate outlook is tough in the last few months the economic situation has got more fraught there is no sign of a political settlement the security situation also has deteriorated their military regime has overwhelming military force. However, we are seeing, including in some of the cities, we're seeing actions by so-called People's Defence Force against government targets. That means that we cannot paint a rosy picture for short-term economic recovery. However, at some point, the economy will stabilise. We hope that it will stabilise before it gets to to, level, to lower level. And both now, while it's in a dire situation, but also then especially when we can begin to think of some kind of recovery, the role of the private sector is really important. There will be no sustained recovery without a Equitable private sector. And there I particularly want to emphasize the equitable. There will be a private sector, whatever happens. But it needs to be a response private sector, not a an extractive private sector, a winner takes all pirate version of the private sector. For those reasons, the responsible companies who hang on will play a really important role in the recovery when it eventually happens. And that's why, from a human rights point of view, it's also my personal view. I hope that they will. In saying that, I'm conscious. Again, I repeat the point: I'm conscious they have to make tough decisions in the light of commercial pressures. I can't offer an immediate rosy profit scenario, not an immediate one, but maybe a long one, long term one.
1: Yeah, it's a good, it's a good point, and it's also worth noting, I think, as you've said before, John, that. At the end of the day, the country doesn't really have a future without a robust private sector, both both foreign and local. So thank you. Thank you again for joining us and, and sharing your thoughts on, on the current situation as difficult as it may be. And I hope that we uh, can talk to you again about Myanmar or other topics. <music> we just heard from John Bray on the subject of responsible business operations and human rights in post-coup Myanmar. John has just published an op-ed on this subject and what he terms smart survival, that is how firms can operate sustainably and responsibly in the very difficult situation that is today's Myanmar. He emphasized that for the long-term future development of the country, a robust private business sector, both foreign and domestic, is absolutely vital.
0: If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode of In Focus, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. And be sure to subscribe to our other podcasts as well, such as The Global Insight, our fortnightly panel discussion exploring the impact of the most pressing issues on global business. All of our podcasts are available wherever you listen. Just search Control Risks. You can follow all of our analysis and find out how we are helping businesses build organizations that are secure, compliant, and resilient by visiting controlrisks.com.